0: I want to to use the last few seconds, Mr. Speaker, to give some words of advice to uh, to my successor, whoever he or she uh, may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere. Cut taxes and deregulate wherever you can to make this the greatest place to live and invest, which it is. Focus on the road ahead but always remember to check the rear-view mirror and remember it is not Twitter that counts it is the people that sent us here and yes sir, the, the, the last few years have been the greatest privilege of, of my life. I have helped to get this country through a pandemic and help save another country from barbarism and frankly that is enough to be going on with. Mission largely accomplished for now. Uh, I want to thank everybody here and Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> what the hell is that?
1: Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear.
2: Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it.
1: Stone on air coming up. Stone on air.
2: All right. Well, hello everybody. Let me uh, readjust my levels here so I can actually hear myself now. Welcome into the show. It is the final Thursday of July. And as I always say, every month, once we get to the end of it, there it goes. Gone. Warp speed. See you later, July. August will be here before you know it. You have found the Stone On Air podcast My name is Brian, and thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh
2: my god, I almost have to take my headphones off. When I turn that up to just normal volume, it's so wow! And then it has to be this volume for me to even be able to hear myself. All right. So on the front end, uh, that was, um, I thought that was hilarious, to be honest with you. I uh, didn't realize how rambunctious Parliament gets until somewhat recently. I, I i guess that's what you call it when they're in session like that. That's in Parliament. I think I'm using the right terminology. But there's hooting and hollering and yelling and, and interrupting, and that seemed to be mostly playful. But there's been others that I've seen over the last couple of years or however long it's been, that it looks like it's a little bit more disrespectful and uh, undermining to what they're trying to do. Um, but that is Boris Johnson on his way out as the uh, prime minister of the, of the UK. His full name, Alexander Boris de Fafel Johnson, if I said the uh, the French portion of his name uh, correctly, but uh weird guy. I always thought the guy, just, he looks like a Simpsons character, right? He looks like some, some buffoon who would be like the mayor of Springfield or something um, uh, like that. But I've always thought he's a little bit of comic relief often when he's talking. I, I when he says I guided or I, 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 what word did he, word did he use? Basically save the country from COVID or something. Didn't he get caught having like parties like right in the middle of it when everybody was supposed to be sheltering. None of one of those numb nuts that got caught having a bunch of people over maskless, and all the other, uh, hashtag fake outrage that everybody had over the flu a couple years ago. I think that's, uh, I think that's the case. All right. All right. All right. So what are we going to do here? Um, first of all, next week, I leave for a quick trip to, to New York on the fifth Friday morning, five 15 in the morning. And which means I will basically just be up all night on uh, Thursday. I don't, I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. and then you know trying to get to the airport via you know Uber or taxi or whatever. I don't even know if Uber and rideshare is available in Chattanooga at like 4:30 in the morning. But um, so that's going to be a, a hectic couple of days. And I record this on Wednesday nights, so I might do a show next week if if there's reason to. If there's not much to do and I have to kind of force feed a, a, a show, which happens more times than you would think, if you look hard enough, there's always something to talk about. But sometimes you have to do just that, look hard. And if there's not something to just sit in there screaming, Brian, you got to talk about this, I might skip next week and because I'll definitely do a show when I get back because I'd like to think I'm going to have plenty of things to discuss as it be my first and only trip to New York. Um real quick laying out the show three pieces of audio here in about 10 minutes or so from now the realest thing the coolest thing and the worst idea had to speaking of look hard and stretch i had to kind of stretch for some of these and then i'll give you th- uh the middle segment of the show i was going to do a whole segment on it but there really wasn't a whole reason to and also because i just couldn't find any real raw numbers that were interesting but 30 million in one Chattanooga relief recovery plan was unveiled by Mayor Kelly in the last 24 hours, money that comes from the American rescue plan that was signed um, in what uh, spring of this year that was forced through through reconciliation within uh, the house. So not a bipartisan bill, but a lot of money being spread around. Where's a lot of that going? Uh, The latest on the South Broad development and the new stadium and a mailer that was sent out uh, attacking David Sharp, who's on the county commission friend of mine, uh, like David a lot, and so I'll, I'll cram all those into one segment. And then the final segment, I want to look at um uh basically just go back down the inflation recessions and we go look at past recessions, how long some of them last, and are we on the verge of of a of a recession? And also a piece from the Times Free Press the other day with showing the numbers of Chattanooga housing and where that pricing has gone. So if you don't give a damn about the city of Chattanooga, then you're not gonna give a damn about two thirds of this podcast. So, um, so yeah, the New York trip, that's going to be, you know, first time and only time very likely I'll, I'll ever head that way. And I've I found myself recently, very, very deliberately thinking about things, you know, I, I don't think many, many, many years uh, ahead, but I do think quite a bit ahead. I don't, I'm not just a week to week month to month fly by my seat type anymore. And I never really have been. I've always been a little bit of a planner, but I've started to think about my main reason for why I do anything is, will I ever do this again? I guess you could kind of put that as a, one of my midlife again, I hate the word crisis, but midlife, um, realizations or, or mindset shifts is that I'm going to decide whether I'm going to do something based on whether there's a chance that I might not ever do that again. Because let's just be honest. I mean, it won't be too long before I'll be, you know, a senior citizen, really. Uh, You know, 20 20 years, that's not a long time. So I see, so I know it won't go back to, to, uh, to New York, most likely. And then I see this weekend SummerSlam. It's coming to Nashville. I like wrestling off and on my entire life. And right now, I've been more on it. I've been watching more often. And it's not like I watch every minute of it and follow every second of it. But, you know, I keep up with who's doing what and what's going on. And SummerSlam is at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. And I had been talking to myself over the last year or two. I would really like to go to at least another big live event for wrestling, for a WWE show. And preferably a a pay-per-view or a premium live event, as they call them now. But, you know, more likely it would be a Raw or SmackDown. They're Monday night and Friday night tapings. And the closest that that's ever going to be is going to be Atlanta or Nashville or Birmingham or Knoxville. And I got to thinking, I, I, I'm never going to go to WrestleMania likely. It's too expensive. There's too much travel involved. And I don't care enough to do that. Because they only barely care about any of this to begin with. But SummerSlam is the number two event of the year. It's, it's you know, WrestleMania is a Super Bowl and SummerSlam is, you know, almost as big, second biggest event. And I got to think, you know, a live outdoor, massive, huge pyrotechnics, a massive event. And it's ten minutes away from where my brother lives. He can drop me off, pick me up. I asked him to make sure that was cool. And I always love to go to Nashville anyway. And uh, and the, the tickets aren't selling well. It's not going to sell out. It's still. 30,000 going to be there, but there's plenty of tickets available for like 30 bucks to get in the door. I do not know. It doesn't matter where I sit for an event like that. And it's something that's totally go by yourself kind of thing. I've done it before. It went to the Royal rumble 2004. I believe by myself, uh, you'll make plenty of friends. It's it's kind of one of those communities. Everybody's kind of in it for the same reason. So I got to thinking if I don't go to SummerSlam this weekend, I might never ever go to, uh, another Event wrestling event again, I will likely have the chance, but maybe not. So, I'll mark that one off a big pay per view. It is outdoors in the middle of Tennessee in the middle of July when there's forecasts basically thunderstorms every day of the month. So, there is that. Uh, let's see. Speaking of that, will I ever do that again? I talked about it the other week. Rage Against the Machine is looking less likely for the final day at Madison Square Garden when I'm up in New York. I hope I can make that happen, but it's it's getting too close and no confirmation on tickets and flight adjustments yet. But I'm going to put that one at about a 50-50 chance at this point. And I can't find anything on this. I wanted to spend a few minutes on it if there was any reason to. Talking soccer wars, as you know, I do hear a lot. This isn't about the soccer wars themselves. It's about the head coach of the Red Wolves. I, dude's been suspended until there's some kind of review from the league. USL, I think, is the name of the league. I don't even remember. There's something conduct, personal conduct, maybe the way he treats players. I, it didn't make it sound like it was something in his personal life. It made it sound like it was something from the business standpoint of run, running everyday operations as a coach. Uh, a little Twitter uh, uh, kind of whispering I saw that somebody had commented that you know he's one of the least liked uh, coaches, personnel in the league. You know, I don't know enough about any of this stuff and I don't know people close enough to the organization to ask, but there is nothing anywhere that says anything other than this is just from the official soccer uh, organization. Chattanooga Red Wolves head coach, Jimmy uh, Ableta, Ableta, has been provisionally suspended pending the result of an ongoing USL investigations into allegations of misconduct brought forth via the USL Players Association. No further determinations, decisions, or public comments will be made until the completion of the investigation. That's that sounds kind of kind of bad. Um, so as the Red Wolves are really kind of ascending in popularity, and 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 um, and clearly it looks like they're bringing in full houses almost every time they play. That could be a bad look, but that's all I know about that for right now. So real quick before I get to the audio, this is just a quick story. Um, here recently, I have been. Um, I mean, I've been thinking of this for years, but I'm finally getting old. I'm finally not feeling well all the time. I'm finally having some health issues. Nothing to be alarmed at. It's just, you know, take it seriously, dude. So I've been going the last few weeks, and by no means am I making any real traction here, but going down to Camp Jordan, throwing in, you know, some earbuds and and power walking and slight jogging on their little dedicated uh, uh, trail, concreted trail, just for lack of really having anywhere better to do it and kind of mix in well there, fit in well. I don't I get intimidated by settings and surroundings that I'm not used to. And so I've done this a couple of weeks a couple three weeks in a row. and this past week I did it on a in the morning, around nine o'clock on a Saturday, which yes, it's very early for me to be up and at him and I was there at nine o'clock. And the sun was coming up pretty quick and uh, already feeling pretty damn hot. And I forgot sunscreen. So a good portion of this trail or some of the portion of the trail is um, under wooded area. So I decided to stay there. So by the time I got to where the wooded area runs out, I'm damn near to Walmart, the Brainerd Road Walmart and that interstate overpass right there. Um, It's kind of interesting. You forget how all this intertwines and how close you are to certain things. So I turn back around. I come back. And I'm like, well, I don't have that much uh, shaded area left. And so I look to my right and there's this, it's this trail, very wide open, very obviously walked on a lot, but it's not the concrete. It's like off the beaten path kind of thing. And there's these, there's this old man and this uh, multiracial woman uh, talking and I'm just, you know, don't look odd at all. And I just, I head down that way. And as I'm continuing to go down this trail, I'm seeing more and more garbage piling up on the sides. And I'm, you know, just noticing it. right? And I go around a cor- corner and I was just going to take it until it ran out and then just go back. And this woman is on a bike. I think she's walking the bike. She's not actually riding it. And um, just, you know, from a distance, she just looks like some woman. Well, as she gets closer, I can tell she's being kind of aggressive, kind of, kind of pointing towards me. And, and and motioning towards me. And as she's our mouth's opening, I can tell she barely has any teeth. She's a homeless woman. Now, this is 9 o'clock in the morning. So many of these, anybody who's going to be where I'm, I'm on my way to a homeless camp is where I'm going with this. And so this lady is either just woken up and in a bad mood, more likely strung out and been awake all night long. And she asked me very oddly... For a cigarette and I have my earbuds and I can't hear everything she's saying. I'm like, what? Huh? I'm trying to ignore. Her. And uh, I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't I don't have a cigarette. If I had one, I would have given it to her. I, I didn't have one. And and she said, is there uh, be, something about other people over here? And I was like, I I, I don't I don't know. And then there's a, I realized there's a dog behind me. So I don't know if it's one of these homeless dogs. She's Like. Who's done what starts saying something about the dog crazily. And I just start walking off the other way, continuing down the path. And I'm like, what the hell? So as I get closer and closer, I realize, okay, this is a, this is more than just a couple of tents. This is a huge camp of homeless, massive. And, um, and so I realize, okay, uh, you know, if this was the evening, I might feel a little intimidated, you know, a little concerned. I'm not concerned. It's just time to go. So then I think, all right, here we go. I got to turn back around and walk by this woman again. So let's go start heading back that way. You know, got the earbuds back in, trying to have the blinders on. And I come up and she stopped holding the bike, talking to the uh, uh, multi-race young lady. And this young lady has these huge tree branches, two of them, carrying them across her shoulder. Like they're probably 15, 16 feet long. They're not real thick, but they're real long. And so clearly she's part of this homeless camp. I'm guessing maybe that's some firewood or something. Eventually that's what the idea is. And so it's kind of, she's kind of moving around and it's, I can't really walk by without maybe getting hit by these, you know, accidentally she didn't, she wasn't being aggressive, but I, so I pull the earbuds out and I kind of walk around. I'm like, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. She's like, oh, Hey, uh, I'm sorry. Apologize. And the crack lady goes something to get along the lines of don't, don't you apologize to him. And I'm putting the earbuds back and say, like, okay, it's time to go. And she was still barking at me a little bit. And, uh, and then the last thing I could kind of hear was, well, I could have hit him with my slingshot. I was like, slingshot? And then one of them goes, Will, you still can. I just I just started picking up the pace and got the hell out of there. What's the point of that story? No real reason other than I didn't know there was such a massive homeless campus right there 50 feet 100 feet maybe 20 yards 30 yards I'm not good at that kind of estimation in my head from right around where there's you know not homeless at all and lots and lots of young women uh, young people in general uh, jogging walking and with he- earbuds in and you never know what you're gonna get in a homeless campus I feel terrible for that community and that ha- that that has to be a thing but you also need to be, Uh, concerned when you get too close to some of those because most of these people are mentally ill, out of life options, and often on drugs. And so I thought that was uh, something that was really eye-opening. I was at no point scared. I was just annoyed and like, get me the hell out of here. So there you go. Went long on that. Let's jump into this real quick. These are pretty short. The realest thing is Lemmy from Motorhead talking about politicians. This is only about 15 seconds long.
0: They're all assholes anyway, you know. Every politician in the world is a son of a bitch. Anyway, they're all going to steal your money and raise taxes. You know, it doesn't matter what they say. They're always lying. That's their profession to be a liar.
2: (laughs) And I ran across that after I was, uh, uh, I watched a couple movies this weekend as I got stuck uh, kind of bouncing around in HBO Max. And I stumbled across the old movie Airheads. And um, I had to play this part from it. Uh, after I saw uh, or I p- played that Lemmy because of this Lemmy. It's the trick question from the old 90s, dumb movie, uh, Airheads. We'll call it the coolest thing.
0: The cops told me you guys are looking for a record contract. There is something going on here. we got to take immediate advantage of, guys. Yeah. Come on, let's talk, huh? Yeah, what's that? What's that? Will you look? This is hot. You guys are the hottest thing since Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Marky Mark, man, that guy sucks. Okay, forget Marky Mark. There's magic out here, guys. Let's talk contracts. I promise you, someday we're going to be backstage at the Forum laughing about this.
2: All right, let me ask you a question. What side did you take in the big David Lee roth Van Halen
0: split? What do you mean? What kind of question is that? What side did you take, Halen or Roth? Van Halen. He's a cop. Oh, come on, guys. taken. Oink, oink, oink. Strictly a judgment call. They sold a lot of records after Dave left the group. Come on, one more question. Hey, come on, cheers. one more. All right, 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 right.
2: Who'd win in a wrestling match? Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Ah, uh,
0: God. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. God oh, come on. God.
2: Uh, I, I I don't know if that movie holds up. I just love it so much as a kid. Of course, the band that wants their song played on the uh, radio, so they take a, uh, a radio station hostage, and it's just a slapstick goofball movie. But I enjoyed watching it again this weekend for the first time in probably 25 years. And this is the final one, the worst idea, because it just sounds... It gets better as it goes along. Uh, this band, I never... Well, I guess I got it to a certain degree because I understand that generation, but blink 182 man they suck and this is uh the stripped vocals from their song called feeling this,
0: they fell short this
1: time. Same again after you came and went How can you say you meant anything Different to anyone standing Alone on the street with a cigarette On the first night we met Look to the past and remember and smile And maybe tonight I can breathe For a while, I'm not in the scene I think I'm falling asleep, but then All that it means is I'll always be Dreaming of you, fate fell Short this time Your smile fades in the summer Face your head. So mine. the
2: harmonies get better towards the end there, but man, what a stupid, stupid, stupid band. But man, were they and the whole um, uh, emo punk uh, movement of the early 2000s not absolutely huge. 20 years ago. Hard to believe it's that long ago. And I say that, not hard to believe at all. All right, so coming up next, $30 million to the one Chattanooga relief and recovery plan, the mailer that was sent out attacking David Sharp, and the latest on the South Broad Street development, including the new Lookout Stadium and where that stands. Uh, We'll get to that coming up next. (laughs)
1: Now more stone on air it's about to get You seen the Little Miss memes going viral? Yeah, I did see that. You trying to make her own? Fuck it, let's do it. I bet I'll start off. Um, Little Miss, I want to cut my hair. Little Miss, I got a car but I don't drive. Little Miss only uses daddy's money. Little Miss, I got my nails and lashes done but no oil change. Little Miss, wear the same bra everyday. Little Miss, I feel like dying my hair. Little Miss stalking my boyfriend's IG. Little Miss, watch grades Anatomy again. Little Miss, spray perfume all over. Little Miss, I'm insecure. Little Miss, I'm an influencer. Little Miss, always sending TikToks. Little Miss, take all my boyfriend's clothes. Little Miss, tells her best friend everything. Little Miss, I'm fine. Little Miss. Watches keeping up with the Kardashians. Little Miss, let's go shopping. Little Miss, a bunch of pillows on her bed, but only for decorations. Little Miss, oops, I hit the curb. Little Miss, 1,000 things in their bag. Little Miss, spent five hours on makeup. Little Miss, I'm on my period. Little Miss, it's whatever. Little Miss, nursing school. Little Miss, my eyebrows aren't even. Little Miss, let's go to the beach. Little Miss, take 1,000 pictures and only keep one. Little Miss, always taking naps. Little Miss, let's travel somewhere. All right, I think we're good on that. You know we gotta do guys next. Facts.
2: I forgot I put this here. (laughs) Uh, I still don't know what this Little Miss thing is. Other than I know it's just a quick Google. Little Miss and Mr. Men, British series of children's books. And uh, I had maybe heard of it, but that's about it. And then the internet has gone stupid with the Little Miss meme trend. You've probably seen it if you're anywhere other than Facebook. Might have seen it on Facebook also. I don't know. Um, Some of them are kind of funny. Most of them are not. And then all I could think of was, well, what a perfect way to use Spin Doctor's dumb song.
1: I mean,
2: sometimes I have to go... Twenty feet to take one step true
1: story 1994
2: my very first concert was cracker that's the main reason i wanted to go they were my favorite band when i was a child outside of pearl jam still right there it was cracker opening the show For Gin Blossoms and then Spin Doctors, who were uh, headlining. And my friend's uh, mom took us, got two rooms, little motel, got one room for us and hers room right next to ours. We were 14 years old and went to Lakewood Amphitheater. And it was on a Friday, so we were having to leave after school and after she got done with work. And of course, we were late as hell. And we walked in as Cracker was finishing the set with Lowe. And it had been raining off and on. And we had snuck some cigarettes in somehow. And um, so we had to sit through Jim Blossoms and Spin Doctors. And while, you know, they're both actually pretty cool bands. But at the time, it wasn't cool to like them. And so we, I probably just fake hated them. But we stayed because, of course, we we're going to stay. What are we going to do? Can't call anybody. <laughs> you know, this is drop you off here, pick you up. Later, hopefully, you're there in South Atlanta. And I remember pulling out a cigarette to have a cigarette. And one of the, I guess we were so clearly underage, somebody worked there and made me put it out, which I thought was a little strange. But anyway, that just popped in to my head. So I guess I should have got my uh, stuff together. Here it is. So we'll start with this thirty million One um, one Chattanooga Relief and Recovery Plan. And my first thought when I saw this was... What what recovery do we need to to make? What what kind of recovery does Chattanooga need? What what kind of relief do we need? It doesn't feel like we really need all that much. the The main uh, uh, establishments or the main the main business, the main industry that was harmed around here was restaurants. And, you know, hospitality and uh, music venues, gathering venues, and there was already a lot of money that was given to all these different entities in different ways through whether it was the PPP loans or... Or just direct payments that I know that Riverbend got. That's how, that's the main reason why Riverbend was such a cheap ticket this year because they got so much money. And and in this case, I you know I think that the, they deserve money, it's the, the Tivoli and and the, and the auditorium. They all deserve a, a a relief amount of money, a recovery amount of money because they they were decimated. But a lot of that's already been handed out, and and most of the industry that was affected all that badly. I mean I don't I don't see anybody's books but it sure feels like the relief and recovery kind of has already happened to a certain degree and this just looks like it's a whole bunch of nonprofits just reaching into a pile of 30 million dollars chosen by arbitrarily picked panels and people underneath the Tim Kelly administration to to hand it out I'm not trying to be critical at this point I'm just saying that this is just what it seems like and sounds like and how many of these these uh, organizations truly need this money and, and but if you got it and you're gonna you know you to gonna spend it somewhere I just wonder where my question is just where should we spend it I just read it from the official release Chattanooga was originally awarded 38.6 million in federal funds the American Rescue Plan Act in aid for the city's recovery from the economic health effects of COVID-19 the community was publicly invited to submit initial funding requests Back in October of last year. I don't remember hearing that. I missed that. I I would have potentially come up with some kind of idea of something that I need help funding with just for the hell of it. Had I known that this was going on and maybe that's my bad for not paying attention. The city in partnership with the Urban League and the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce created Chattanooga Equitable Recovery Commission to ensure Chattanooga's fund allocation process was administ- administered with integrity and accountability. That's where I guess why I say the arbitrary na- nature. I guess it's not that arbitrary. Uh, a process that kicked off in January of this year. This I just highlighted this because it just se- seemed worded oddly. Given that the black and Hispanic communities were most detrimentally impacted by the negative outcomes of the pandemic, the commission chose to recommend strategic investment areas that will lift all residents' but will be most beneficial to communities of color. Zero problem with giving communities of color potentially more of a a shake at this than anybody else. But where are the numbers and who says that the black and Hispanic communities were most detrimentally impacted by the negative outcomes of the pandemic? I think I could find a lot of different communities around here that could say, uh, it might be pretty equal around here, guys. I'm not so sure that it was way worse for anybody else than it was for others. And depending on where you came from in, uh, in what line of work and what, you know, your, your anecdotal situations is to, I, I just, I found that to be worded very matter of factly. And then just, that's it. You know, there was nothing to back that up. And I, I, you know, again, not mad, just talking out loud. The city received over 200 initial applications, totaling over 200 million in funding. So clearly with only 30 to go or 30 to hand out, what's that? 75%, more than 70, 80% isn't going to get uh, anything. So I would have thrown something in there just for the hell of it. So I'll just run through here a little bit. Uh, homelessness prevention and recovery. Um, upwards of about four or, four or five million to a handful of different organizations. Affordable home ownership and home repairs. The Chattanooga Neighborhood Enterprise that gets a million to go in. They're going to fix up a twenty. Potential houses that can be available for home for ownership for low income buyers, uh, the te- the uh, the, uh, the Department of Community Development gets uh, about a half a million affordable rental housing creation. The Aim Center and the Chattanooga Neighborhood Enterprise, there's their name again. They'll get a million and a half and a million respectively. I don't know how you can create affordable rental housing unless you're just making Section Eight more governmental housing. I I just affordable housing and government being involved in it always. I question it and I'm confused by it because I don't know what it means. First of all, I don't know what affordable housing even is. And I don't know how you create that unless again, it's section eight, which most of us have come to a mostly agreement that the idea of the housing projects of the 1970s, 60s, 70s, whenever exactly the boom boom was wasn't exactly a very effective way of keeping people off out of crime, out of drug usage and out of continued poverty. That's another conversation for another day. Workforce development initiatives, expanding local access to entrepreneurship. The CoLab will get nearly a million dollars. I've been kind of questioning the CoLab for a long time. I had a few ties to that organization when it first was starting to get going. I, I went to a program there, a startup program, after I got fired from fraud radio, excuse me, talk radio back in, um, uh, June of 16 by August, I was in one of their startup organizations and I did a, will this float competition. And so I was, uh, I was heavily involved with it at first, meaning just as a, as a, a user, a consumer of their product. But I did always question exactly what are we doing here? What exactly is being accomplished again more a question and not as much nearly a criticism uh, workforce where was I I already got that one let's move on to the next one here uh, public safety and youth engagement a uh, lot of money going in a lot of these I hadn't heard of most of these I had uh, the pursuit of happiness Ycap is a great organization uh, all in the neighborhood of about a half a million dollars each Dynamo Studios. I know the guy who uh, who heads that up. Uh, Kessler is his name. Why am I forgetting his last name? Anyway, it's a uh, it's a good organization that teaches music at the library. Uh, he's getting two hundred thousand dollars. Good for you, Kessler. Good. Keep keep killing it, man. Um, Chattanooga School of Language will get forty five thousand dollars to for uh, local workers whose first language is not English to develop language and cultural skills needed to advance their careers. And let the, there's a lot more of these. Again, I'm not going to bore you with just you know going one after another. I'm just going with a few that I've heard of. Improving access to mental, uh, mental health care, I'm always a fan of. Lifespring Community Health, First Baptist Cares. And the final one with a couple of small highlights. Strengthening our early learning systems. Chattanooga Housing Authority will get a million. Uh, Chattanooga 2.0 will get half a million. And several, several others, all equaling. 30 million. If they're going to give you 30 million dollars, then you might as well spend it. But I I really start to wonder with a lot of these nonprofits, I always question a nonprofit. Of course you're a nonprofit if everybody makes all the money. Like it's not not salaried, it's not not income generating for everybody involved. If you take all the extra money and just give it to yourself, and call it a nonprofit. Are you really a nonprofit? And I, I still get confused because there's so many different kinds of tax exempt statuses and nonprofits, which are they're not the same thing. They can be, but somebody can be both of those things, but they're not the same thing. And so it is a confusing space. So anytime I'm confused, I question, and I suggest everybody do that. If you're confused, question. So we'll move on quickly here to the uh, latest on the stadium, South Broad District. This is written by the mayor himself, Tim Kelly. It says by Mayor Kelly and Coppinger. So somehow they wrote this together, but I'll just go ahead and read it. It's not its not going to be anything you wouldn't expect to hear. Every generational project our community has embarked upon from the Tennessee Aquarium to Enterprise South has had its share of critics. Yet, quote-unquote, Jack's fish tank as some refer to Coca-Cola businessman Jack Lupton's plan to revitalize our waterfront, catalyze billions of dollars in job and economic development, and Enterprise South, formerly a polluted TNT plant that some called a boondoggle, is now home to beautiful nature trails and thousands of vehicle manufacturing jobs. The construction of the new stadium requires a commitment from the from for the sports team to play there. The lookouts have agreed to cover 22% of the cost of the new stadium through one of the most expensive leases in minor league baseball, which is guaranteed by the contract to continue for 30 years, the maximum length of the time it will take to pay off the bond used to construct the stadium. They have also committed to covering the cost to operate and maintain the stadium year-round through that time period, estimated at more than $45 million. That's not nothing. Uh, the city's not on the hook for having to do repairs you want to put in new this you want to take this out and you want to add that you want to you know you have some waterline issues 20 years down the road the lookouts ownership is on the hook for that so that will be a total of about uh, 75 million dollars total of value from the team itself so when you say they're not the team's not giving any money that's not exactly true now projections can be just that projections I understand I already know what the pushback is. But it's not exactly really the lookouts are not forking over anything because they actually they are. I mean, if the state if the city builds a stadium that they own, well then you know the first thought is, well then you're on the hook the city for for its maintenance. And in this case, that's not going to be the case. That's kind of the trade-off. This is one of those. it's all money, guys and girls. it's all money. This money's going over here, this money's going over here. I always get irritated when someone's like, here, here's five bucks for this, and here, $20 for that over there. L- listen, <laughs> it's all going to be the same amount of money. We don't need to make it so complicated. Uh, but in this case, I guess you do. And then this weird thing I saw on the Chattanoogan, Um, Let's see. That's not that one. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, this says the headline, Sharp Smedley calls for release of emails, release of emails between Womp and Lookouts owner over new stadium between Womps County Commissioner David Sharp on Wednesday called for a release of emails that are purportedly between Republican County Mayor nominee Weston Womp and his father, Zach Womp, and owners of the Chattanooga Lookouts over the issue of a new stadium. Commissioner Sharp says, quote, I understand there are emails going back to 2014 from the chief naysayer of this project. I want to know why he supported it before and why his support has waned. Uh, Chair Commissioner uh, uh, Sabrina Smedley, who, of course, ran for uh, the primary for mayor against Weston, who probably hates his guts, says, quote, I'd like to see those emails as well. Sharp goes on to say, why is there such resistance to the stadium from a handful of folks? There is a pocket of resistance. And honestly, I think it's stirring up this false information. The Weston Womp campaign has declined to release the emails. Weston has recently said it, quoted, now appears the Lookouts are conspiring with my Democratic opponent 13 days before the election. What the hell does that? I don't even know what that means. David Sharp goes on to say, I'm just now I'm just kind of skimming it, that there's 50 to 60 pages of correspondence going back to 2014 between Weston, his father and ownership of the Lookouts and potentially having them involved somehow in the project. And I guess he's implying that because they're not involved in the project and now that Weston has become, I don't know, (laughs) this this one's what, that's what I'm saying, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, So there's that. And what else as I get close to wrapping this up? And also did I touch on everything? Sorry, I'm a little scattered here on this one today. Yeah, so the last one was this mailer and it is shameful. Very, very shameful. A quick look and uh, a quick search, and you'll find it just on Facebook or something. Smedley says she believes the same individuals who used an attack ad against her are behind the shameful mailers against Sharp. Now, this is Sabrina Smedley just putting herself in the middle of a story that doesn't have anything to do with her. And she's quoted in here a lot, and she's in the headline. This is a, a mailer that was sent out by no one can tell who, the uh, the opponent for I believe is District Six that uh, David Sharp is the county commissioner on, and it's a safe. It's a he won't lose his seat. I would not think unless they read these new redrawn lines really cut out a lot of his uh, his blue area over there. I think he's going to be fine. But this mailer shows uh, shows a young boy about to enter a school, and the mailer says quote School shooters are lurking, and Commissioner David Sharp would open the door for them. And it's based on some kind of cockamamie, not true, made up, that Sharp thinks that we should get rid of all school resource officers. Now, I'm sure there was some vote one day that had a certain amount of money going over here and a certain amount of money going over here, and that somebody took that and said that he's trying to defund the police or something like that. And uh, everybody who's seen it in the commission in local politics is all that the same. What a, a horrendous ad to put out there. I, probably done by some kind of uh, separate entity. A, I don't know if, you know, I wouldn't call them a super PAC around here when we're talking about county government. But some kind of mini organization like that. So-and-so for the, you know, safety of children or save the save the gun, Second Amendment. I, I don't know. One of those. But it really is pretty damn shameful. And it, go, it just goes to further further show. That's part of the, the point that I'm going to make in the next segment. That whatever people are doing that's reprehensible and shameful, somebody's going to d- take it and do it just a little bit more next time. Why? Because they can get away with it. And why? Because it's effective. It is. It's effective. It's effective to get it talked about. It's effective to get the people who are on either side of the the aisle of the the, the campaigns being a headline somewhere and some numb nuts going to look at that and say oh hell david sharp he's trying to get our kids killed he don't care about kids and there's going to be somebody who says that too and maybe probably a hell of a lot more than just somebody so we'll stick around with local numbers from chatting housing prices want to just talk recessions and it's one imminent and inflation in general comparing eras and um, and maybe something here from David Bartow, who is a, a big wig in College Dale. And uh, do all that coming up next. This is a Stone On Air podcast. Happy Thursday. Or whatever day it is, you have downloaded the most listened to podcast in the city of
1: Chattanooga.
0: The history of America since the the Great Depression. Do you even practice that?
2: 1850s. Do you know what's the longest time America's ever gone without a recession? When do you think it
0: is? You ready? Today. 14 years. (gasps) No way. Yes, we've had recessions every
1: five to seven years, and they last six months to
0: 43 months. We have gone 14 years without a recession. We desperately need a recession. Yes, I can't afford no
2: liquor. This is uh, BB King Recession Blues. I can't buy any liquor. All I can get yeah, is beer and wine. I can't afford no liquor. What a sad, pathetic life. Only beer and wine. No liquor. I had to, I had to dig time. for that one. So he's not entirely true or correct, whoever he is. There actually was what we would consider by the by the definition of a recession uh, two years ago, right? As soon as the the closures started and the shutting down started in March of. 20 there was two months of whatever it is the gdp minus the you know whatever the formula is but because of all the uh, because of the cares act that put a bunch of money in people's hands for majority of the rest of the uh of the summer anyway for at least a third of the year that recession quote-unquote didn't last even two months as far as the the definition goes to you know economists that do this so if you take that out then it has been 14 years since we've had or since the start of the last recession as we call it the great recession and i've got them all pulled since world war ii i don't know that i'll even get to any of it or if i needed to but i went ahead and did that anyway um but i wanted to start with this first so It's kind of like comparing eras to me when you try to compare like, you know, a recession from 1950 or whatever year it might be to now or to inflation in 1979 to 1982 in that range to inflation. Now, the uh, the economics of it are so much different. The uh, government structure is so much different. The. Uh, the mood the temperature of 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 the room of the people are are very much different from all these different eras and there's greater strengths in some areas and weaknesses in others if i were to really simplify it i would compare it to like team sports to how players have advanced to where they are now to where they were 50 years ago you can't you can look at them and, and to get a little bit of a sense of an idea how things were then, but you can't put them side by side because they're not really quite the same thing. And I, I don't think that whatever we did and however things came out of the 70s into the 80s to cool inflation and um, and get the economy and oil under control, I just don't think you can look at that and say that's the recipe and there's how you do it. And I, I, it frustrates me to no end when I can sit down and Google and Google and Google and I know where I get my information is accurate. I am, I am very aware of what I'm looking at and what I'm reading and where I spend my time on the Internet. Most people who have brains who aren't buffoons can easily figure this out, like the kind of people that listen to this show. And it's so frustrating to walk out from that and still can't sit down and talk about it with any kind of confidence that I actually truly do understand it. And inflation is eating me alive. It's eating me alive. And likely it is you as well. As I've talked about in the past, this is just more of a tax on the middle class and the poor. The upper class, they just deal with it, right? And figure out a way to you know supplement it. And we all just got to do what we got to do. But I do not believe that this is just purely some kind of inflation issue because of of CARES acts or the uh, Recovery Act or the One Chattanooga Recovery Act. I don't truly believe that that's that's just the main fuel to this fire. This is global. I mean, completely global from sea to shining ocean sea, from the North Pole to the South Pole. This is absolutely completely global. And what this damn pandemic has done, it's done it to I, from what I can tell, many people that I know, many much industry that I that I'm familiar with, and certainly everything in my to, in my life, it changes people. And in the last going on ten years now, we we become less institutionalized, and you can make an argument that that's that that's good that that it being in an institutionalist was kind of going along just to get along. And that's kind of a kick in the can down the road kind of approach. But I very much am an institutionalist and that seeming to go away. Trump and Trumpism, MAGA movement of the Republican party, the wokeness and the BLM l- noises from the other radical side of American politics, the fake outragers and the fake scared and fake fear of the flu. COVID-19 is real. The outrage and terrifiedness is, is, is not real. All these, these three things and specifically have changed norms. And at the end of the day, we're mostly all followers. I am very much a follower. I am not a leader. Most people are not cut out to be leaders and not all leaders are good at it, but they they're many times confident of it. And I see what I see is industry following the leader, following it, copycat and everything they see. This is, we're raising prices because we can not because we necessarily have to now fuel cost is going to be behind all of this every time. And there's that math is simple. But people, industry is realizing that they were charging too little and that the American public is getting by on these higher prices. Prices don't go down. Generally speaking, they don't go down unless what? Unless there's a real, real recession, a hard hitting recession. Not some of these ones that last for a couple of months over the course of the last 80 years. Some of these that have lasted for one, two, and three years. Three is about the lo- the longest length that one stayed without it busting up over the course of a uh, of a calendar. It might be two recessions in one year, but I, I, the, the Great Recession was, I believe, and I had it here somewhere, was about three years. Three years, seven months. Oh, no, that was the Great Depression. My bad. I'm sorry. Anyway, hold on. Now I want to know. How long was the Great Recession? It lasted... Sorry, sorry. One year and six months, a year and a half. So about half the time of the Great Depression. That's when things drastically change, when people's spending habits drastically change. We need a recession and we need one now. We need one now. I don't know if raising the rates, the Fed raising rates is going to be the solution here. It was in the 70s. This isn't the 70s, or at least it was a portion of the reason in the 1970s and into the 80s. It wasn't the sole reason, but it was a, it was a big part of it. Will that work this go around? I don't think just because it did before that it will necessarily. And here's the biggest thing. Right now, you know, anytime you have a recovery or a, uh, or a, a down, downfall, you know, shortage of, 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 of funds, you don't feel it necessarily immediately. Sometimes it's, you know, this is thousand cuts kind of thing. Credit card users carrying a balance of more than half of their credit limit increased by 9% from last year to this year. This is from some polling company, so you know how I feel about polls, but like I said, in this case, it works. So, I mean, it makes my point for me. Late payments in the last year have increased by 50%. Credit cards jumped 7%. Usage of credit cards jumped 7% over the course of a year. Debit cards, the usage dropped 3%. One in six Americans saw their credit scores decrease between May of last year and this year. The more credit, the the more income to ratio of of debt will lower your your credit score. The number of people spending more than 90% of their paycheck for month to month expenses doubled from last year to this year to 34%. 34% are spending 90% of their paycheck every month just to cover the basics. Where is does the rest of that, where does the disposable income go, the quote-unquote disposable income? Well, that's coming via credit, and we all know what's going to happen with that eventually. The number of people whose spending exceeds their income in a pay period almost doubled to almost 12% from last year to this year. 12% of people are spending more money than they make. That's double what it was one year ago all this excess in gas and food and energy and everywhere uh, across the board all the quote-unquote the bullshit supply chain issues um i know there are some of those but come on give me a break with that one enough of that uh that's that's being supplemented by credit high interest credit i don't know exactly what david barto's title is out in college dale but you know when someone's just regularly involved with even if it's just a, uh, you know, a cul-de-sac or a section of a, of a of a living area or a small community, they get called the mayor. Well, David Barto is the mayor of College Dale. If you're using that kind of comparison, I know he has a lot to do with the Commons area out there that he was behind getting built. I'm just cherry picking a couple things from a, a post that he put uh, on Facebook. Uh, he was talking to a College Dale commissioner, who said that uh, it was getting to where regular folks could hardly afford to live in the city, in the city of college Dale says we live in an area with relatively cheap land prices. We live in an area with plenty of good jobs, high speed internet, cheap electricity, four seasons with mild winters, no real forest fire danger, no, no earthquakes, great entertainment options. And folks from California, New York, Chicago, and New Jersey are flooding the real estate market with cash offers, driving prices upwards. He goes on, this main thing was to talk about land trusts. It's a lot of other things he was doing. Um, and so the main point here was, it's all it's it's every community. Collegedale, people are having trouble affording to live. Regular people who just live around here would like to live in Collegedale. Nice little community being priced out. Uh, let's see. Home uh, values in the city of Chattanooga. Record highs. This is from Dave Flessner from the TFP. This was just a day or two ago. Just hitting the numbers here in June. The Greater Chattanooga Realtors reported 328000 Round that up. It's 329000 is the median price of homes sold in Chattanooga. So half of everybody is above that. Half of everybody is below that. Uh, $329,000. That is up. from one year ago. How can property values go up 20% in a year when nothing really changed? This is inflated. This is not real. This is not reality. We are playing with monopoly money from sports contracts and movie mega deals and everything else that's massive to the smaller down to everyday life stuff. We're playing with monopoly money. 1,600 inventories of homes listed for sale. That's up 31% from a year ago. So people are trying to cash in on this. 30% more people are trying to sell homes this year than last. Although Chattanooga's median home price went up 20% the past year, Chattanooga home prices remain 22% below the U.S. median price, which is closer to a half a million, 423,000, according to the National association of realtors. How long can this go? How long can this happen? How long can fake money be circulated around through just moving decimal points? So yeah, we need a recession and we need it now. Prices don't go down just because, Oh, Hey, look, things are a little bit better. We've proven we can, we can survive on $8 Eight dollars for uh, butter instead of six fifty. Speaking of which, I mean, have you seen butter, any kind of butter or butter substitutes? Holy shit! Start. With, it's better for your health. Stop eating. Stop using the stuff so much. I mean, it is obscene how expensive just that one particular thing is. And I, you know, I'm seeing it more and more. Now, I still subscribe to the theory that. You're not, we're not going to, you can't charge $10 for a, a loaf of bread and no one's going to give you $10 for bread. So, but I don't know, you know, I don't know. Some of these other things I didn't expect to see. What else did I have here? I think that's just about basically it. It's, um, you know, and for me, you know, sitting here, it wasn't that long ago that I, I have a my mortgage rate at 3.75. It wasn't that long ago that I was like, "Oh God, I got a 3.75. God damn, can't I get that down a little lower?" Got <sighs> one of the best loans you could possibly hand out to somebody. It's so only got 19 years, almost now, close to 18 years left on it at 3.75. You can't get money that cheap, and I don't see that happening anytime. And maybe you shouldn't be able to get that amount, that kind of money for that cheap. Maybe that they may that's part of the problem. It certainly is part of the housing bubble. But yeah, okay, yeah. The last thing we hear was all these recessions I had, and again, I'm not going to go through them all. But um, uh, 1973 to 75 for a year and four months, 1981 to 1982 for a year and four months, and then most all the rest of them are less than a year. Uh, And then so yeah, as I said, the COVID 19 recession, which I'm I'm not counting that because so much money was flooded into the system that 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 short up those numbers quickly it's been 14 years it is time for a recession it's long past due and then whoever's in office and who who's ever in control of congress and the senate will be will have a lot of issue with this and will be blamed for it it's amazing how this ridiculous government system we have here works but that's how it works every time we're a bunch of alzheimer patients walking around we can't remember what happened yesterday so if it happens in the next year or two the Biden administration is already crumbling into tiny pieces anyway. And you know, the, ha- the the house is gone in a few months, Senate likely as well. So if it's, were to limp on down for the next couple of years, and then it were to happen with a complete regime change, well, guess who's going to get blamed for it? Well, some will say the outgoing or the former administration, but once it comes up on voting time, we all look at our wallet. We, well, not we all, but the general public looks at their wallet They look at their stocks, they look at their portfolios, they look at the price of gas, they look at uh, anything that has a dollar sign on it, and that's the direction they vote. So I don't know what my greater point is, other than I'm not really telling you anything you don't already know. But this is the longest in the history of modern America that we've gone without a pretty significant recession, and it looks like it might be coming up maybe before the year's over. And I say please and thank you. Let's go. Now I can say that because I have a job that is not recession proof and not uh, and not a guarantee for the rest of my life, but it is a, an industry that will most likely you know last through any kind of recession. I already has many others before, and some people aren't that lucky. So I don't wish bad things on people, but bring on recession. That's what I'm saying, and I hope I'm not wrong, and it get even worse. But I. I a lot of times people say, you know, when you're talking about these kinds of things, oh, it can't get any worse. No, I assure you, it can, it can get worse. I promise you, it can and very likely will get worse. That's all I got. Thank you guys for finding the show. Um, again, next week maybe. Hopefully, I'd love something to fall right in my lap. I love it when it's easy. Yeah, that's when it's real fun, too. It's that it's most fun when it's easy. And you gotta force it and dig and you know, then it's no, then it's then it's no fun. So hopefully something pops up that makes it a, a fun, worthwhile deal. If not, definitely hear from me when I get back from the Big Apple. Why do they call it the Big Apple anyway? They'll look that up. All right. See you later. Bye.